Hello and welcome to this, the first in a series of short audio programmes designed to help small group or personal study of the subject of Christian mindfulness. I'm Cathy Laferve and I'm delighted to be joined by the author of A Book of Sparks, the Baptist minister Reverend Sean Lambert, who will help us delve further into his book. Sean is a trained counsellor and psychotherapist and he'll help us unpack his thinking over the next six sessions. During these sessions, we'll be exploring how change and transformation into Christ-likeness is at the heart of Christian discipleship. We'll be considering how the giving of information isn't enough and how change ideally needs to happen through meditative or mindful awareness practices. And we'll look at how we can move from seeing through our selfish eyes to seeing through the eyes of God and what results from this change of perspective or re-perceiving. These explorations will be accompanied by readings, extracts from the book and additional material, and some opportunities for you to pause and reflect on what you've heard so far in each session. So at any point, if you want to pause this recording and discuss what you've just heard, please do so. Sean, before we get to grips with the topic for this first session, can we go back to the beginning, really? Your book is called A Book of Sparks, A Study in Christian Mindfulness. So how exactly did you get into mindfulness? It's about nine years ago. um, I was working uh, for the church uh, and I was really stressed and very anxious and I was doing this training at Roehampton University in counselling and psychotherapy. And one day I went in and I just felt I was going to fall apart. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't feel that I could stop that happening. But one of the lecturers, uh, who was obviously a very mindful person, spotted this, noticed it, and uh, just took me into her office for half an hour. And just through her loving attention and awareness she sort of uh, glued me back together and what was interesting is that she knew what was in my heart even though I didn't and she said this is what you're thinking and feeling and immediately I became aware that that's what was happening and so that opened my eyes to the possibility of a person helping somebody else just through being mindfully aware and attentive Um, And through the counselling and psychotherapy training, I came across mindfulness in secular psychology. And then, um, fortunately, I got given a sabbatical uh, by the church. And when I was on sabbatical, this little book called The Jesus Prayer, written by an Anglican bishop called Simon Barrington Ward, just leapt off the shelf at me. And as I read this uh, prayer, uh, which is an ancient uh, Christian prayer, contemplative prayer. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You say the first part on your in-breath and the second part on your out-breath. And that really began to help with the anxiety and the stress, that repetition. And um, I began to think there's a lot of overlap between this and what I'm reading about mindfulness in secular psychology. But as I read Uh, all about it in secular psychology, I realized there was nothing uh, from a Christian uh, perspective. Uh, So the pioneer, uh, an American doctor called John Kabat-Zinn, brought mindfulness into uh, psychology uh, in the States uh, in the 70s, and he borrowed these mindful practices 
uh, from Buddhism. And uh, these practices uh, are neutral practices. They're just about paying attention to your body or to your breath or how you eat or how you walk. Uh, so they're for everyone. And I found those very helpful as well. But I began to want to research uh, more about mindfulness within a Christian uh, perspective. And uh, one of the ways I did that was by uh, stumbling across Mark's gospel and being helped by some Bible scholars. And Mark's gospel is full of uh, attention, awareness, both explicitly and implicitly, and in particular, all about watchfulness, which is our equivalent, if you like, in the Christian world uh, of mindfulness. John, before we get into the first session, I just want to address one thing. You talk about Eastern meditation and a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about the idea of meditation and repetition mm. and feel that's quite a controversial area. Can you put our minds at ease that this is actually a very Christian thing that we should be doing? Yeah, so we mustn't um, uh, throw the baby out with the the bathwater, uh, if you like. Uh, so this pioneer, John Kabat-Zinn, um, he said, saying that uh, mindfulness, uh, paying attention and awareness is just a Buddhist thing, is a bit like saying gravity is British because Isaac Newton discovered it. Um, the gravity uh, of attention and awareness uh, was discovered very early on by all uh, the main religious traditions, including Christianity. Uh, we inherited a very strong tradition of meditation uh, from Judaism. Uh, it appears many times uh, in the Old Testament. And that meditation would involve repetition. And repetition is very important uh, in terms of uh, how we are changed uh, and transformed. Uh, but it's also not just uh, a biblical idea. Uh, it's in the early uh, Christian church in the history of the church as contemplation developed uh, as a way of change and transformation uh, you find this repetition uh, being built into the practices whether it's the Jesus prayer which you repeat uh, with your breath whether it's this slow reading of scripture which at one time every Christian used to pray uh, which they call Lectio uh, Divina literally divine reading uh, of scripture um, that's about uh, lovingly and reverentially slowly reading scripture, uh, waiting on God, uh, asking the Holy Spirit to bring these living words uh, alive to us. And uh, so it's there. Uh, so we need to uh, reclaim it, not be afraid to use it and recognize that it's not only biblical, it's part of our history and tradition. Thanks for that. We're going to move now into the first session and we're going to begin with the central idea of change or transformation into Christ-likeness, which is at the heart of Christian discipleship. In your book, Sean, you argue that change, this change, is at the heart of the Christian life and that that change comes about through mindful practices, meditation, why do you think this is so? Yeah, so when I first started taking Mark's Gospel seriously, and I've been studying it for about four years, uh, just by paying attention to the detail, these are the sort of important clues that come out. So right at the beginning, uh, Jesus says uh, in Mark 1 and verse 15, 
the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And that word repent in the Greek is metenoate, and literally it means to have a new mind. So it's not just saying, I'm sorry for doing this. It's a much bigger uh, transformation. It is a completely new mind. So you're suggesting that a major shift in perspective is required, but how do we come to realise that that's needed and how do we go about it? Are you saying that most of us are wandering around in sublime ignorance? I think we are. And one of the problems is that most of the time we're living on autopilot. So we've all had this experience of walking upstairs to get something. And when we get to the top of the stairs, we've forgotten why we're going up and we have to retrace our steps. And that's not because anything's wrong with our minds. We're just on autopilot. We can do the same thing. We can go on a Saturday to the supermarket shopping and find that we've driven halfway to work. Um, so this is central uh, to the change and transformation that is we're being asked to embrace as Christians. And the first thing, for example, that we say as Christianity, as Christians, is to recognize uh, that we are sinful, that we don't see clearly. But lots of people struggle with that. But that's the starting point of wisdom and humility, to recognize uh, that we don't see uh, clearly. And Mark's gospel brings this out beautifully. So in Mark 8, when Peter uh, says to Jesus, you are the Christ, he is commended for that. But Jesus then starts to tell the disciples that he is going to be crucified. He's going to be killed. He's going to rise uh, from the dead. And, and Peter at this point rebukes him. And Jesus says to him, you know, get behind me. You do not have in mind, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men, human things. So his perspective is all about human things and not about the things of God. So right in the heart of Mark's gospel, Jesus is saying we have to shift our perspective from the things of humanity, selfish things, fearful things, angry things, competitive things, and shift them uh, to the things of God, which is all about uh, transformation into uh, the likeness of Christ. So this idea of re-perceiving, mm -hmm. we're going to stop for just a moment now and listen to a reading which will help us uh, develop our thinking around that. One of the key verses in the Bible is Romans 12, 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to watch for the patterns of this world that we have been formed into. For example, this week we will look at the idea that we have been formed by society to have an empty self. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus has an equally radical plan when he calls people to repent. Mark 1 verse 15. The Greek word metanoi literally means change of mind. But not just changing your mind about what you're going to eat for supper. Jesus' demand for radical discipleship is actually a call for a new mind. We are transformed through the twin tracks of God's living word and the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. There are some key practices we need to follow in order to enable that transforming work. These include Lecto Divina, a slow spiritual reading of scripture, which allows the Holy Spirit to speak to us. At one time, every Christian used to pray in this way. 
there are other important contemplative practices to try out, which help us to begin this journey of increased awareness, including the use of prayer words and the memorization of key verses of scripture. Our prayer needs to be the prayer of the psalmist. Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is ever before me. Psalm 26 verses 2 and 3. Like the psalmist, we need to open ourselves up to God to enable this examination. One of the central disciplines within watchfulness that we need to learn comes out of another central verse about the transformation of our hearts and minds. As the Apostle Paul says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. How we do this is more difficult than knowing it to be true. We often live on autopilot in our thinking and feeling lives. Ask yourself what it says about your mind that you could take your own thoughts captive. Take your time before reading on. One of the things it means is that you can observe your thoughts. You have an observing self within. This biblical verse also relativizes our thoughts. We often think they are a perfect reflection of reality, but more often they are shaped in the patterns of this world whether patterns of anxiety, anger, or narcissism. The way to take your thoughts captive is to disarm them. That's Christ's method, as with disarming the powers and authorities. Colossians 2 verse 15. Certain thoughts and thought patterns become like powers and authorities in our lives. We disarm them by relativizing them. They are not facts, they are thoughts that we can observe. We make our thoughts obedient to Christ by treating them much as Jesus treated people, with one proviso. We remember that they are not real. They are like clouds in the sky, not bricks in a wall. You notice them with compassion and love, accept them for what they are, and then let them go. Send them on their way, saying, go and sin no more. In this way they lose their power and authority over you, and can no longer afflict you or if they are sinful thoughts, lead you to sin. As you read this book each day, keep a journal. Try to catch your thoughts, negative ones, automatic ones, or creative ones that you might miss. Observe your thoughts each day. Which ones turn into a dramatic soap opera around particular themes of hurt or anger? Paradoxically, we take them captive by noticing them, and then letting them go, as if each thought is a leaf on a stream. Sean, in your book, you're saying we can't change until we realise that we don't see clearly. So what stops us from seeing clearly? And how do we realise that we aren't seeing clearly? I think um, one of the important things is to allow sort of light to break in uh, from uh, Scripture. Uh, so Jesus in, in Mark's Gospel, um, he has the disciples following him from the beginning. And they've seen all the dazzle of the kingdom. He's done miracles. He's healed people. All these amazing things happen. But then he says to them, um, do you still, and this is in Mark 8, not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Our hearts are hardened uh, by the culture uh, we live in. We get uh, double glazed eyes and selective hearing. 
we are shaped in selfish patterns. And Paul uh, talks about the centrality uh, of us needing to be changed and transformed in Romans 12 too. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And what that verse tells us is that our thoughts and feelings, our minds, are not getting an accurate readout of the world. They are shaped in the patterns of this world. They are selfish, they are competitive, they are fearful, uh, they are anxious, they are angry. But the good news is that they can be changed, that they can be transformed, that they can be renewed. And the battleground is in our minds. Again, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, he says, Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And these are the afflictive thoughts that we all have, whether it's pride, whether it's anger, whether it's lust, whether it's greed. Um, but again, the good news is that this is something we can do with his help. And what you're saying is that it has to be intentional or it can be intentional or it should be intentional? I think that's a really helpful question. Um, God is gracious and uh, he's always trying to get our attention. But I think we have to cooperate uh, with God. So we are, if you like, co-creators with God. He's always trying to help us, always gracious, always reaching out to us. But we have to cooperate and listen in particular uh, to his wisdom, to his living word. We have to pay attention to what it is he's trying to say to us. And if we don't pay attention? We stay unchanged, untransformed, still in the patterns of this world, which cause us most of the time a lot of stress. We're living in uh, a culture where there's an epidemic of um, ill health. People are in great psychological distress uh, because they don't know that they need to change, they don't know how to change, and um, they don't have uh, an awareness that the wisdom uh, of the gospel, of the kingdom, of the Bible, of Christianity can help them uh, not uh, lead a smaller life, but actually lead a much bigger life. Not lead a restricted life, but actually lead a life that offers inner freedom. And as you said when we first started talking, this actually is an area that is becoming very popular in the secular world. Um, mindfulness or mindfulness. It's not only found in the context of faith, is it? And people are turning to other ways and, and sort of spirituality. So I'm really fascinated by the history uh, of revivals. Um, but at this moment in the United Kingdom, in the Western world, there is a spiritual awakening uh, through uh, mindfulness uh, as developed in secular psychology. And uh, if you work in the NHS, uh, you will have come across it. If you suffer from recurrent depression, your doctor may offer uh, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, which is very helpful at uh, dealing with depression. Uh, if you're at work, um, they're bringing mindfulness in. Many big companies are doing this. Uh, in education, they found that it's very helpful uh, in dealing with exam stress or helping teachers 
handle their stress. Uh, relationships, raising your children, uh, it is everywhere. It's growing uh, exponentially. Um, but mindfulness itself uh, is our universal human capacity for awareness and attention. And it's paying attention in the present moment. And that uh, needs to be distinguished from the mindful awareness practices uh, that lead us to a state uh, of mindfulness. And uh, you can use this uh, uh, as a, just an ordinary human being to help you with uh, your particular vulnerability, whether it's stress, anxiety, depression. Um, it's a universal, uh, helpful um, practice. But also you can approach it from a Christian perspective. As I say, it's a biblical thing. It's in the history of the church. Um, and we have our own meditative or mindful awareness practices like the Jesus prayer, like the slow reading of scripture uh, that can lead us uh, to a place uh, of mindful awareness of ourselves, of other people, of God and of the creation around us. So in this first session, I suppose we're looking in ourselves. What do we need to change? How can we change it? How can we be intentional about that? And how can we start to be more mindful of Christ's presence in our lives? Yeah. And again, what we need to do, it's a bit like uh, when you think about an orchestra. When does an orchestra tune up? It tunes up before uh, the performance. If you saw an orchestra tuning up afterwards, you'd think that was a bit strange. But most of us go out into our day without having tuned up or tuned into God. So we have to begin uh, with uh, giving some time to God at the beginning of the day, where we learn uh, to still our minds, to still all the noise in our heads, so that we can begin to listen to him. But what we need to do is not just uh, pay attention to our minds, we need to pay attention to our feelings, to our bodies. Uh, we're interconnected, integrated, uh, human being. Uh, and as we do that, then uh, change and transformation and inner freedom begins to seep into our lives. So we're almost at the end of this first session now, Sean. Is there something you can give us um, at the beginning of our study, really, which will really help us focus on this idea of mindfulness? Yes. And I think what I'd like to uh, bring in uh, is to uh, bring us back to focus on our bodies. So in um, uh, Christian history, uh, Christianity is often said wrongly, uh, spirit good and body bad. And that's a, a heresy. Um, and it's interesting that um, a Catholic uh, theologian called Christopher West uh, is bringing uh, to the world um, a new theology of the body uh, which was uh, the major work of uh, John Paul II. And uh, this is such an important thing because what he says is that the church has offered a starvation diet to the world when it comes to sex and the body. Uh, our culture offers a fast food diet. So, of course, where do people go? But he says there is another path uh, and we need this new theology. And uh, so what mindfulness is really helpful at is bringing us back to our body so that we pay attention to them. 
And when we do that, it actually helps us uh, still and clarify our thoughts and feelings. Uh, so what we're going to uh, do at the end is a, a body scan meditation. And this is something I do every day and I found it incredibly helpful. Um, I talk to lots of people who can't sleep at night. Um, and I get them to do this uh, body scan meditation. And it's not about uh, them doing it in order to try and get to sleep. They just pay attention to their body. Um, and what they find is uh, that all the stress, um, all the time that they're stuck in this fight and flight response we have uh, that makes us stressed, they're able to just to step out of that and move into uh, our God-given relaxation response, if you like. And then often, uh, without planning to do this, they just find that they go to sleep much easier than uh, they did before. Uh, so it's a very practical thing, uh, but it also is a, a spiritual thing. It's a very human thing, uh, but it also uh, helps us just to clarify our thoughts and feelings, learn to be still. And God can emerge even in this uh, secular meditation. So that's called the body scan meditation. And it's something that Sean thinks will be very helpful for each one of us to do each session as we study the book of Sparks. Uh, the body scan meditation takes around 15 minutes. So in order for us to be able to do that, we've provided it as a separate track on the CD and as a separate download if you're downloading this as a podcast. That's it for our first session. Uh, my thanks to Sean Lambert for enabling us to start unpacking his book of Sparks. In our next session, we'll be exploring the battleground of change, our minds, and considering the central insight of mindfulness or contemplation, that our thoughts and feelings aren't an accurate readout of how we are in reality. We hope this session will have given you food for thought for discussion if you're listening to this as part of a study group or if you're listening by yourself to help you map out the road during your personal journey to Christian mindfulness. From me, Cathy Lefebvre and Sean Lambert, goodbye for now. This Book of Sparks study resource podcast was presented by Cathy Lefebvre. The producer was Gary Dell and it was a wise word production for Sean Lambert. Thank you.